We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. podcast it is tuesday may 9th nick whalen here with dj trainer happy pre-birthday to samuel dallenbear uh, he has two nicknames listed on basketball reference one the haitian sensation really like that one two slam and sammy also a very strong contender so uh happy pre-birthday to slam and sammy the haitian sensation he turns 36 on wednesday first fantasy basketball league i ever played in i'll never forget uh the winning team name of that league it was not me dallenbear report so special place in my heart for samuel dallenbear yeah one of the one of the better ex-bucks um of the kind of brandon knights carlos delfino yeah yeah epe udo by the way has become a really good player overseas uh not something that i ever really thought would happen but but good for ekpe I don't follow overseas basketball much at all. Maybe one day I'll get into it. Um, but are they still kind of relying on the big man over there? Maybe a big man renaissance for them or, or a renaissance for big men. They're playing overseas and 
a little more use for them if they don't shoot the three. Because I, I swear, like 10, 15 years ago, they valued like stretching the court a little more than maybe the NBA did. And maybe that's flip-flopped a little bit. I don't really know. I don't know either. I don't really follow your league at all. Um, I just follow up at Udo on Twitter, and he retweets. Okay. He retweets. <laughs> he retweets things when he does well, which I appreciate. Because but how Udo else would is I know? like prototypical, just like sit in the post right. and just wait for something to happen in your area type of player, yeah. which is a dying breed in the NBA. He can, he can make some plays. He was yeah. uh, some injuries got the best of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my lasting memory of Dallin Bear, and I mean, there's so many to sort through, was. <laughs> February fifth of twenty thirteen um, for the for the Milwaukee Bucks, thirty five points, twelve rebounds, what? two assists, uh, only three fouls, seventeen of twenty one from the floor in twenty seven minutes of action. How many blocks? Out Do you of have nowhere, that? Uh, one block. That seems... that must be a mistake. I feel like there had to that be, had to be a that mistake. might be missing a, a zero or two on the end. Uh, and the Bucks <laughs> lost by eight only in Denver, start of a four game losing skid. So. That was kind of the big moment for Dallin Bear as a Buck. He ended up not playing in like the last 15 games of the year. Um, but nonetheless, I want to wish him a happy birthday. Kind of a, you know, before his time type of guy, you know. Uh, How so? Really, really How moved. So? How he so, moved Nick? well at the center position. <laughs> he was versatile. Uh, wasn't a guy with a ton of range. He, in fact, was one of 12 for his career shooting threes, although his only made three did come as a member of the Bucks. Um, but, you know, I think he's somebody that for a number of reasons we haven't talked much about on this podcast, and I'm, I'm really glad that he's getting his due after spending his last six NBA seasons with six different teams. Yeah, I was going to say, first nine seasons with Philadelphia, then it was defined the meaning of journeyman, Sacramento, Houston, Milwaukee, Dallas, yep. New York, Knicks, all back-to-back. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, four-time league leader in games played. Yeah, 82 games in a row, four straight seasons from 06 yep. to 2010 with Philadelphia. Yeah, he made about $92 million in his NBA career. Look at us. We know how to read off a basketball reference page. Basketball well. reference says he has a 0.0% chance of making the Hall of Fame. What? Well, okay. I think that seems you a little You know, they low. had a lot of credibility until you told me that. 2009-2010 J. Walter Kennedy Citizenship Award. Not a lot of players have won that um okay let's talk well no first before we talk nba basketball specifically this year's uh, nba basketball playoffs and we're also going to talk about the draft lottery that's in a week from today uh i have a wedding not this weekend but next weekend you're getting married i'm not getting married yet um i'm also not engaged but for this wedding i'm yet to buy a gift i you know, intentionally procrastinated on that you know just kind of gives give me some more time to think of ideas checked out the registry today one of the items on said registry is a 12-inch hacksaw. Is that an inappropriate gift to give someone, a female high school classmate of mine who <laughs> I was friends with throughout college, haven't talked to a ton lately, you know, but still close enough, obviously, to get the wedding invite? Here's the thing. You know, our listeners probably listen to a lot of other podcasts, and those other podcasts... They, they better not. Yeah, they better only listen to us, but I'm assuming that they listen to other podcasts. A lot of those podcast hosts are based out of LA, New York, right? You know, just some... The, never heard of them. Yeah, never heard of them. It, but we're here in Madison, Wisconsin, and you know, weddings in Madison are going to be a little different than you know some other places. So while it might sound super surprising to our listeners, you know, that's I, I I will say that that seems right up the alley with basically any wedding you could pick out here that's going to occur or happen in Wisconsin. So I'm not surprised. Seems appropriate for where we live. 
It's a that practical said, gift. Are you gonna? It was that the cheapest one, and you just happened to come across it because you know uh, that's how I go. Clearly, on no. Yeah. You're not, I don't think you're familiar with hacksaw prices these okay. days. But yeah, I mean, a Wisconsin wedding. You know, one of the one of the stores listed on the registry here is Menards. Yes. Yeah. And Staple. I'm looking Staple through this list, Wisconsin. and I was like, I I don't think I would use any of these things. Like, I could see why these would be useful for people who are handy and have like a yard. Like one of the items, five gallon pail. Like. I'm not going to get you a five-gallon pail as a wedding gift. I mean, like, a, I would like to, but how, like, do you have to wrap that? I'm just going to say you went to high school with this girl. Both of you happen to live pretty close to Stephen Avery, hacksaw, Whoa. a bucket. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make too big of a leap Stephen here. Stephen Avery. But it sounds like she's thinking ahead for a future career in oh my something God. criminal. Possibly. Uh, there's a broom on here that could be used. Oh, there's a 30-liter trash can. That's kind, oh, of a, that's kind of a lot of liters. Um <laughs> No, no, I'm. I mean, I'm kidding. Of course, I, I don't. I don't think she listens to this podcast. So hopefully, this won't be an issue. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to know, like, the etiquette on that. It's like if you want the saw, I'll get you the saw. But I don't want you to like open this up and it's like, wow, you got me a possible murder weapon. Yeah, no, I think it's fair game. It's on the registry. Yeah. It does seem like something that could have been like because they give you like these little register guns and like right. maybe they just shot it up in the air and yeah, it just happened gonna, to bounce off a mirror and go like down a on a hacksaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Like, can you can you just make a registry? There's like a general like I don't need an occasion for it. Like, I just have this registry out there that like right. if you ever feel compelled to, to buy me something, bro, registry. It's my, my like no, it's like a life registry. Yeah, it's just like, like a, I need stuff registry. Yeah, just kind of a miscellaneous wish list. <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> I'm not getting married or anything. I you know just kind of wanted to use the gun. <laughs> Okay, let's talk NBA playoffs. We'll start with Warriors Jazz. That that series wrapped up uh, on a depressing ish, I guess. If you're a Jazz fan, note. Um, I think from an outsider's perspective, this is how everybody thought it would play out. I think the scores weren't really reflective of how good of a fight the Jazz put up relative to the gap in talent. You know, I mean, they didn't completely roll over. That there weren't these games like like Toronto had in rounds well, one and two where they just didn't show up. It was just a, it was just such an obvious discrepancy in talent. Yeah, sorry to cut you off so soon because I know you're painting a picture of the series, but come on now. The Warriors know they have to conserve energy for when it's really going to matter. So we can say that the Jazz put up a good fight and the overall series was closer than it seems like it was when you look back and it just says 4-0. But the Warriors knew exactly how much energy they had to exert. I mean, we always get into this type of conversation here. And you know what? Joe Johnson of the Jazz, he came out recently, I think it was maybe this morning, uh, this Tuesday morning, and said uh, his you know lack of production in this series was because he was just so tuckered out from the Clippers series. And so taking that into consideration with the Warriors, you're not going to go out there and exert your full amount of energy every single game in a series you know you're going to win no matter what. So I understand what you're saying, but I just think if the Warriors were trying their best, it would have been lopsided, as lopsided as you could possibly imagine. You mentioned Joe Johnson. I don't know who that is. I, I do know, however, who the Armadillo Cowbo is. That's his listed nickname. New nickname? The Armadillo Basketball Cowboy. Basketball reference is really leading us astray today. Yeah. I, they need to provide like a footnote for some of these. You know, They also list ISO Joe, Joe Cool, Big, sure. Big Shot Joe, I guess. Maybe someone said that at some point. No, I've heard that one kicked around. Armadillo Cowboy needs to have, like, cite your sources. You can't, yeah. like, who are you trying to, <laughs> at least this gives credit to someone for coming up with that. Um, but yeah, Joe Johnson didn't really give Utah much at all in this series um after giving them a ton obviously in round one they don't beat the clippers 
without Joe Johnson. So, you know, I don't think you can look at him and say, man, if he would have played better, we would have had a chance. Right. They wouldn't have had a chance either way, and you wouldn't have got to where you are without him. Interesting um, tidbit. To, uh, Gordon Hayward dealt with food poisoning for much of these playoffs. It food poisoning survivor. Food poisoning survivor. Uh, you are a hot tub survivor. He's a food poisoning survivor. Credit to both of you yep. for healthy lives moving Thank forward. You. But, you know, you know, you can talk about the the series would have been even closer. Maybe the Jazz would have stole one if they were at full strength. But you have to factor that kind of stuff in general into the playoffs. I know food, food poisoning is a little bit of a weird one, but just injury, fatigue, all that. The Warriors purely outclassed the jazz it wasn't it wasn't close whatsoever and it's i mean it's sad it's boring i mean it's it's awkward that we're all just looking ahead towards this inevitable Cavs warrior series uh great season for the jazz i'm glad that some fans did stick around and wish them well uh you know it's it's kind of tough because you spend all that money for really just a massively disappointing game but good season for them and that's about all you can really hope for if you're playing in the western conference these days so how much more inevitable does that series seem right now after Golden State has swept through their first eight games with no problems? The Cavs were pushed a little bit in game three, down big at halftime uh, against Indiana. Other than that, though, they pretty much cruised. I mean, game four against Toronto, I guess they were, they, you know, I think Toronto took the lead by one early in the fourth, but they you know, ended up being close to a double-digit deficit by the end of it. How much more convinced are you now that this is the matchup we're going to see in the finals than you were before the playoffs started? Because most people were still predicting that that was going to be the case, but have they been even more dominant than you thought they would be? Well, I'm probably the worst person to ask because if you look at some of my tweets before the playoffs... Did you delete those? I need to. But, you know, in reality, I'm not stupid. Like, I sent those tweets out, but I, I, I... prefaced it with, you know, these are kind of crazy, but who knows? I think this could happen. Or people aren't opening themselves up to entertain the possibility of a Clippers potentially beating the Warriors. Obviously that didn't happen. I think that the the Western Conference was inevitable. Like that that was set in stone. It was the Eastern Conference with the Cavs. It was a little more where now, right now, I'm willing to say if it, it, it's going to happen where maybe at the start of the playoffs there was some doubt, there was being some shade. But again, we talked about that switch and, and you know, we really don't hear people talking about that switch anymore. Like can the uh, Cavaliers turn on that switch? It happened essentially in game one against Toronto and the answer you know is just yes they have a switch they know it um and, and it is inevitable I mean it's just weird to even talk about these games in the Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference games I'm more interested maybe to talk about you know can the Rockets potentially snipe a game or two from the Warriors I really hope and think that you know Houston might even have a better shot to beat the Warriors than maybe Cleveland does that said, you know, it, it just seems like the Warriors and Cavaliers are destined to give yeah. us round three. Yeah, so the Warriors won't play until Sunday at the earliest. That'll be the case if either Houston or San Antonio wins games five and six. If that series goes to seven, the Western Conference Finals will start Tuesday in Oakland. Cavaliers will play either Monday or Wednesday. Same scenario there. So if, if Boston or, or Washington wins in six, Eastern Conference Finals start Monday. If not, they start Wednesday. So at the minimum, Cleveland is going to get another seven-day break. That would be the same-day break uh, that they got after the Indiana series. And they might end up, you know, with what would that be nine gate or nine days in a row off if that Boston-Washington series goes seven. And I think, as we'll talk about in a little bit, I think that's a very distinct possibility. Regardless, LeBron's averaging almost forty-three minutes per game in these playoffs, and you know we saw especially in those two games in Toronto that he wasn't taking some of his usual rest breaks I think he played the entire first quarter he he was out to start the fourth in game four um 
the Cavs seem to be kind of taking a different approach, which is something that we've seen with LeBron and with a lot of star players, you know, comparing regular season to postseason. You know, they don't always keep the rotations the same as, as things tighten up. But when you're getting breaks like this, I, I don't think there's really any concern of, of LeBron running out of gas. No, there certainly isn't. And if there was any type of concern, I wouldn't say that it would even be for this season or in the in a potential finals matchup. It'd be like three or four years down the road when you really put the mileage right. on him when he's 32 years old. He only played 74 regular season games this year, so that helps a little bit. Um, in terms of padding the stats, all-time stats, it doesn't help, but getting him ready for this postseason, it does. Having double at least one week breaks obviously helps a bunch and, and and it'll be nice to you know think that you know LeBron James is going to be truly locked and loaded to combat this Warriors team uh, but you're right it's a good thing to point out where he should be ready to go despite you know averaging what was it 37.8 minutes per game he hasn't averaged that many since the 2012-2013 season so uh yeah no issues there which is great i like it a lot and and then guess what mm-hmm. uh you know I think the Rockets could take a couple games from the Warriors, and I think the Cavs could sweep Boston or Washington. I mean, arguably, Toronto is a tougher matchup for the Cavs than either Boston or Washington would or could be. Um, So the Cavs could be dealing with another, probably not a week-long break, but like three, four days to get them locked and loaded again. So in terms of... In terms of getting ready and just like mentally being prepared, sweeping just is way better, obviously. from it, 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 It's pretty clear here. Um, but in past years, we've seen LeBron-led teams kind of toy around with these teams. And, you know, that's something that I'm sure the coaching staff and LeBron said, mm-hmm. no, we're just going full metal right here and then we'll get the rest. And that's going to make a lot more sense than like letting up inside right. these individual games. I think last year's Cavaliers team, I don't know if it's a mindset thing or something that happened mentally with winning the championship, but last year's Cavaliers team probably doesn't come back from that 26-point halftime deficit against Indiana. And there's a chance that what we saw on Sunday in Game 4 when Toronto made its run, things weren't going right for Cleveland, they're turning the ball over, they're fighting for rebounds that are bouncing out of bounds off of teammates' hands, things like that, that they kind of wilt and... You know, I think in the course of a game, it's something that just happens. You know, they lost two games in Toronto to a Raptors team that that was worse. Mm-hmm. You know, last season, although they did have Kyle Lowry, obviously he didn't play in games three and four. Um, you know, this year I think they've showed a, a little bit more metal, a little bit more of a resolve that I think it didn't look like they had at times last season and it certainly didn't look like they had down the stretch in this regular season so here's my argument for why that's happening because it's the same team same individuals same individuals that know you know what it takes to win in the playoffs and they ultimately did it anyway I think that the challenge ahead against the Warriors is going to be so tough that they know you know we just have to get our ducks in a line right from the beginning here you know back last year it was a little bit like oh that's going to be a tough showdown but now they just know they're they're already kind of mentally pre- preparing themselves and, and they know that they need as little wear and tear as possible to beat the warriors so i would actually attribute the fact that they're just you know going in clean sweep clean sweep getting that rest to the fact that they actually know and are getting prepared for how tough the finals will actually mm-hmm. be yeah i i mean with the way that golden state's playing you know, you it doesn't really matter to me. Like Cleveland looks incredible. They've they've been better offensively in terms of the metrics than Golden State has. They've looked much better defensively than we expected. I think they're the fourth best fourth best defensive team in the playoffs, and and that includes I think Milwaukee is still number two or three, even though they've they've only played six games and are eliminated. Uh, so I mean, even as well as Cleveland's playing, I'm not sure it's going to matter. I think this would be a really interesting series if 
the rosters, you know, were the same as far as Kevin Durant not being on the Warriors. I think I think that would make this a a really compelling series and probably a seven game series. The fact that Durant's there, the fact that they're healthy, the fact that Draymond is playing his best basketball of the season, best defender in the league. He's he's hitting threes. He's over fifty percent from three in the playoffs, which is really really scary if you're the Cavs. Um, I just I'm not sure it matters. I think we're going to get a good series. I'm glad Cleveland looks good because I think. It looked like a month ago they still might get to the finals, but we're going to get waxed by Golden State. I think they put up a good fight, but I just do not see this Golden State team losing. Finish this uh, sentence for me, and you can't say if X player gets injured. In order for the Cavaliers to win the finals this year, what like what needs to happen? Finish that sentence, and you can't say you know Draymond and I Curry think, get I injured. I think that's what it is, though. That's I, the I really, only thing. The only thing. I think. I think Kyrie Irving has to play four straight games like he did in games mm, six and seven sure. last year where, you know, it was that 40-point game. I don't remember if that was game five or six. And then obviously in game seven, hitting tough shot after tough shot after tough shot. Um, I mean, we have seen Cleveland beat this version of the Warriors yeah. on Christmas Day. And right. that's the that's the blueprint type of game that you have to play. But that was also, you know, almost six months ago, and I think that team has grown since then. I think that was still at the point where they were they were trying to figure out how to integrate Kevin Durant. Steph Curry was on the bench at the end of that game. Curry was in a slump by his standards at, at that point. Um, but you know, that said, you know, that that was the closest, I guess, to a preview of this matchup that we've seen. And I believe the Cavs were without J.R. Smith for that game or lost him shortly after they didn't have Kyle Korver uh, at that time um, so we'll see I mean I, I think that game went a long way in terms of their confidence um, and, so, and so, go ahead yeah sorry just to help you out help your own argument out here game one Kyrie had 26 game two 10 game three 30 game four 34 game oh wow I might have missed up here 26 10 30 34 41 23 would, would be the totals there yeah, I mean... Oh, sorry. The, the was date six, changed. Right? Yeah, sorry, the date time. Game 70 at 26 points. Right. And it, it and it's not like, okay, I, Kyrie Irving needs to score 45 points and they're not going to win. It's Kyrie Irving has to hit the type of shots that he was watch, that he was hitting in Game 7. I actually just rewatched Game 7 uh, over the weekend, as one does. And, <laughs> you know, it, you didn't get the feel that Kyrie was dominating the game, but the number of shots that he hit with Klay Thompson a lot of the times defending him, who's got four inches on him and is, is so good at staying close and contesting, mm-hmm. it just didn't matter. And that's what makes, to me, Kyrie, I don't think he's better than John Wall or necessarily better than Isaiah Thomas. You know, I think they're all similar. Um, I, I think John Wall is probably the best of those three overall, but John Wall cannot hit tough contested jumpers like you need to hit against a team like Golden State consistently enough. Yeah, and that's why he's a good companion for LeBron James, but when he's leading a team by himself, it's not necessarily right, a match exactly. in heaven where actually John Wall is probably better leading a team of players who are inferior to him than Kyrie Irving is leading a team of players that are inferior to him. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, Kyrie is the perfect uh, battering mate for LeBron James and, you know, Kevin Love obviously adds his own in his own right as well. But yeah, sorry I messed up the date. The date changed on me there, but he, I mean he he did play very well. I mean in every single game besides one, he got you at least twenty three points, and that's what you have to happen probably mm-hmm. at least every single time. Obviously fluttered up in game five to forty one points, but you're essentially saying that needs to happen at least three times where he's like flirting with third like thirty five to forty five points. 
No, not necessarily. I mean, no. I think I kind of said the opposite of that is that he doesn't need to have these big scoring games. He just needs to hit timely shots oh, and he needs gotcha. to hit really difficult shots because that's how you beat the Warriors. So I don't think I don't think Cleveland has that much of a chance. I think it's going to look a lot like the first few games of last season's series looked where Cleveland didn't play all that bad. You know, LeBron's doing what he can. Kyrie's playing all right. Um, but, it you know, it ultimately didn't look like they had enough. And I just think the addition of Durant makes this Warriors team collapse proof unlike it was last season repercussions for the Warriors if they lose to the Cavs I don't care if if the Cavs sweep them in four or if it's a game seven you know buzzer beater what are the repercussions of this team um you know losing to to the Cavaliers I think that you know it'd be an interesting offseason where I don't I'm not 100% sold that they're just going to like put their arms around each other and kind of rally and move on because a couple of these players will have outs where they could go be the main man on their team. I, I don't know. I think that they're, I don't want to say blow up, but I, I think that if they lose here, what's the point of them getting back together? Because man, in terms of facing the media, that is going to be a rough next season for them if they lose to the Cavaliers. I know we're both kind of grinning because be... we're we're definitely like we're all for LeBron James and his legacy and I'm not even about that. I just think that would be a fun scenario. Yes, even because, if they, even if they lose to the Celtics, because all over yeah, everybody's been all over the Warriors this year. You've had reporters move out there, move their whole lives to cover them nationally. Everybody, it would be awesome if they had to go a whole season just at, like getting asked questions like you know, like redemption questions or how are you going to make up for the collapse of last year? Like, like, do they add Gordon Hayward? Yeah, that, <laughs> that would only be fitting if they had to go through a full season of that after going through this season where everybody's been all over their jockstraps. Well, I mean, I think I think they in some ways have gone through that. I think the addition of Durant kind of masked what would have been, you know, this is what happened last year, right? I mean, I think if they didn't add Durant, those are the questions they would have been facing and, right, and the addition but, of Durant kind of saved them from but that. But everybody's been all over them and praising them and saying this is the most beautiful basketball and wow, this is how basketball is supposed to be played. Like, ugh, I, I, I would just love a season where where they have to get asked questions where, you know, the, the reporters really are trying to dig at them. And, and that has not happened this year. The reporters and everybody else has just been praising them, praising them, praising them after a season where they lost the finals. <laughs> Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, I, I think it's it's a fun scenario either way, right? It's like, okay, Durant sure. climbs the mountain, uh, even though uh, the mountain has been kind of adjusted to help him climb it um, <laughs> and gets his title, which, you know, it was the same way it was viewed initially, I think, with LeBron beating OKC. And, you know, for his first title, it was, you know, he couldn't do it his way, but he still did it. And people will respect that, and, and they should. Um so that's an interesting one. And then obviously if they, if they if this team loses the finals and there's no injury, there's no suspension, um I don't I don't even know what would happen. I mean, it, think of it. I mean, Cleveland fans are still, you know, on Twitter every single day yeah. reminding everyone uh, of what happened last year and and I think somehow as as crazy as 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 memorable as the finals were last year, this would be this would dwarf that in terms of what this loss would mean. So I think I think to the Warriors, losing in the finals would be a bigger deal than them winning the finals. I don't think that's a hot take necessarily, although you know, a team with four probable future Hall of Famers winning the finals is still a pretty noteworthy event in the NBA. Sure. Yeah, and, and there's only two players, by the way, who are guaranteed to come back next season for the Warriors. If you're curious out there, Clay Thompson has two more years after this one. Draymond Green has three years. Kevin Durant has a player option. But after that, you know, Curry, Patrick McCaw. Patrick McCaw. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> He's back. Uh, yeah, Patrick McCaw obviously has one year. But of, of the, in terms of the players that truly matter, and, you know, Curry's technically going to be a free agent. 
Durant can Iguodala. opt in. Iguodala, uh, Sean Livingston, Zaza, Pachulia, David West, JaVale McGee. I mean, these have all been pieces of, of, of what they've used so far to get where they are. So it could be interesting. I feel like it's I'm entertaining something that's right. Because think yeah. of like, we don't even know what it would take for them to lose, but for them to lose that series, some, you know, there would be headline news story after headline news story. Like, if if they say they're down somehow three one in the series going you know going back home for game five like think of what would have had to occur like would Draymond have punched somebody on his own team would Steph Curry be shooting you know two for thirty from three like the scenarios that would have to unfold for Golden State to even be in that position would lead to really interesting stories. Who knows? Maybe the Curry attempting half court shots for charity is was a prelude to the finals. Did just that two for thirty performance. I hope he doesn't shoot half quarters. Yeah, that that was weird. But that didn't get talked enough talked about enough. No, it didn't. By the way, um, it's because it was for charity, right? Yeah, and it was but like, uh, yeah, true. I mean, it was people love charity. It was reminiscent of them, you know, collapsing three to one. I mean, I think the fair comparison is is there where. <laughs> best, best shooter in the league, but he can't even knock down. Can't even hit this fifty-foot shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's talk a little Cavs Raptors. Like I said, Cavs will play either Monday or Wednesday against the winner of Washington and Boston. But let's talk about the Raptors. I think that's the more interesting side of this. Masai Ujiri did not talk at exit interviews yesterday. He talked separately today to the media. And it sounded a lot like a man who is very much open to the idea of blowing up this team. Um, he said, quote, we need a culture reset. He did note that that ownership is committed to going into the tax, however, and it did sound like they want to bring back Lowry. So, well, he, you can't blow well, up the team. That's, that's what the I'm only saying. thing you could potentially blow up. And by the right. way, it's not blow up. It's just not resign him. Right. Well, he said a lot of things to open the presser that sounded like we're blowing it up and then I wouldn't say he backpedaled necessarily, but you know sure. what do you what do you expect? You're not going to go to an exit interview in front of your local media and say we don't want Kyle Lowry back. Yeah. Like whether they want him back or not, you have to say you want him back. Well, we we I mean we said this in our last podcast last week or one of our podcasts last week. You know, Simon Jerry did not really. This is not his ideal team. They just happened to be good, and he had to play into it because you're so close. But in an ideal world, the way this team is constructed is not the way that he intended to construct the Raptors. So if anybody's in favor of quote-unquote blowing it up or essentially just not bringing back Kyle Lowry, it would be him. And so, I I mean, we've talked about should they do it, should they not do it. Uh, It's... What are your alternatives? Because Kyle Lowry really has been the most important player on this team over the last couple of years, even though DeRozan has gotten more of the credit and more of the accolades, especially this year, you know, numbers will suggest that Lowry has been the most valuable Toronto Raptor. Yeah. Um, I think you have to look forward though. You know, I think right now in a vacuum, Kyle Lowry is a better player. He's a better value um, in terms of what he brings to your team on both ends, but he's older. He's 31. DeRozan is still in his twenties um you know you you just you you don't look at this team and say all right next year will be our year you know if anything it's kind of we might have missed our window um you know can they bring back Ibaka do they really want to dip into the tax to bring back the same team 
that didn't even mount a challenge. It's not like you were close. Mm-hmm. You know, those Indiana teams that they always get compared to that came close to LeBron's heat, like they pushed the heat to six, they pushed the heat to seven, mm-hmm. um, and, and really were close. And, you know, I, I think they kind of got blown out of the water in both of those clinching games. But you at least, the heat, if you were rooting for the heat back then, you were scared of those Indiana teams. If you're rooting for the Cavs now, these Raptors teams do not scare you. Like, if you're Cleveland, you want them to bring these guys back, right? Like you want you want Toronto to run it back with this group because this team isn't beating anybody. Yeah, Cleveland is hoping that they bring back all the same personnel. Uh, I mean, DeRozan, Valanciunas, Carroll, Corey Joseph, these are all guys that are coming back no matter if you like it or not. So I don't really know how much you know different they can go in terms of personnel to switch things up, blow things up, however you want to look at it. On top of that, let's just say they feel like they need to start from scratch use DeRozan in his prime right now as a jumping off point, right? So that seems like the most logical thing. Guess what? Like you're behind the pace that Milwaukee has set. You're behind the pace that, you know, Boston is setting right now because Boston's going to add some players. And I think if you do want to reload or restock or re-whatever, you know, you're already a couple steps behind Milwaukee and Boston in terms of peaking when you when you think you want to peak in the next couple of years. So, uh it's tough. I just think that I this is not happening. I like ideally how it could have happened in best case scenario for them, and now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Where even if they did want to switch things up, they're a step behind. And by the way, you still have all the same personnel besides Kyle Lowry coming back. So it's basically, do you want to try this with Kyle Lowry or yeah. try it without him? Either way, it's you know it's it's the same kind of chance. I mean, there's not really much that's going to change here unless they were to bring in somebody like a Jimmy Butler, uh, a Gordon Hayward type. But even then, why would those guys want to go there over the other destinations that we've been talking about? I mean, what this ultimately comes down to, like, it's fun to talk, and it's very easy for us to say, like, no, of course you don't bring Kyle Lowry back at age 32 and sign him to a five-year deal and have him on the books at 37. But what's the alternative? Like, somebody's going to sign him. I mean, like, Kyle Lowry's not just going to sit out there in the free agent pool. We've um, talked about that, but I think there are teams that are more willing to sacrifice the fourth and fifth years of that deal than maybe Toronto would be right now. Um, so a team like Philadelphia would be more than willing to say, sure, you know, like, let's we're going to use him and then maybe we'll dump your contract in the fourth or fifth year of that deal. Toronto is more like, you know, we still kind of want to peak while DeRozan is peaking right now, which would mean that in the next three years you would need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess, you know what, though, that's funny that by that logic, that means bring Kyle Lowry back because Lowry's going to be the best in the first three years. I don't know. It's a tough situation. I, I always inevitably just talk myself in circles when I'm talking about the Raptors and what the Clippers should do because it's so hard to get to the points where they are right now that it seems almost ludicrous to say te- take 10 steps back mm-hmm. um, because it's just so hard to get even where they are right now. And that even if you did reload, um, blow everything up, if that new manifestation of your team got to the point where you were right now, then like that's actually kind of considered a success. Well, that's the thing is we LeBron and and the Warriors to to some extent have kind of redefined what it even means to be successful. Yes, you right. know, I think yeah. I think a lot of teams there's it's just odd now that you can be successful and not at the, like you can have, you can be successful in your own right but at the same time not be a contender or not even be close to a contender you can have the best season in your franchise's history the best three-year run in your franchise's history and never really be considered anywhere close to contending and that's a new thing for the most part you know so uh let me ask you some rapid fire questions here did the jazz have a successful season yeah I think but if you're, player, say yes. if you're a jazz player the answer is probably no 
right? But I mean, where where the organization is headed within the expectations of this year. I think you say yes for the Jazz. You say yes for the Rockets, no matter where they finish. Mm -hmm. You know, you should probably say yes for the Spurs. They were the two seed in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Memphis, I think maybe you can say yes. Oklahoma City, yes, you lost one of the best players in the league. Portland is the one where you say probably not. But other than that, there's, there's seven teams that made the playoffs that you would say had successful seasons. And so... When you when you put it like that, just like not bringing back Kyle Lowry or not bringing back Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, just seems kind of dumb. Well, the only way, seemingly, to compete now is to form your own super team, right? So if you're Kyle Lowry, you can stay and win 55 games in Toronto next season and maybe for the next two seasons, or you can go and team up with other superstars. If you don't do one of those two things you're just going to be in another iteration of Toronto and maybe a worse iteration, right? I mean, right. I, unless these superstars all team up somewhere, none of them are really going to have a, a shot. Like, what would, it, what would it take for you to say, oh, this team really could challenge Golden State or, oh, this, this team really could challenge Cleveland? Like, it would take these guys coming together, right? Like, Kyle Lowry just, you know, swapping places with George Hill or going to San Antonio. I don't think Kyle Lowry starting at point guard for San Antonio scares the Golden State Warriors at all. Right. And so here's the thing. What what would it take? I can actually give you a pretty straightforward and clean cut answer. It would take a team that has at least four all-stars on it. Because Which is crazy. Which but is it's, crazy, but, but, but that's true. the right answer. Because guess what? The whatever four all-stars you put together probably aren't going to be as good as the four all-stars that the Warriors have. And like you can pick any all-star you want, and they're still not going to be as good as the Warriors. Now you might everybody's probably screaming into their speakers and saying, "Well, the Cavs only have three all-stars, but LeBron James is like the one guy who's going to be the best guy on the court, and so he's the one that transcends it." But when we're talking about what's a realistic team that could compete with the Warriors, not even beat them, it, any team you could possibly construct that has four all-stars on it, that's when we could truly start to entertain the idea that they could compete with this Warriors team. And that's absurd. We're talking like John Wall on a team with Jimmy Butler with, you know, I you mean, just go like on and John on. Wall, Brad Beal, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. And that, if, team's, if not top, be, and that right. team's not beating the Warriors. Think about it. If that's yeah. your top four and you fill in with bench players that we'll call equivalent to the Warriors bench players, I still think you would take the Warriors, yes. right? Which is insane and yeah. seems crazy, but I, I'm with you. Um, that Yeah, that, that's what it comes down to for me. Is like I, I think it's just a really tough situation for these guys. I feel like it would be really hopeless to be Kyle Lowry right now. Yes, and that's why that's what makes me think, and we've talked about this, that do something fun. Like, what is the most fun outcome for you? Because you're going to get paid no matter what. Toronto is going to pay, like maybe Toronto will pay you any team that wants to sign you is going to give you relatively the same contract because everybody's aware of his market price right now. So why not go to Philadelphia where it all started for you? You can do something for the community. You can help like you're lifting up this franchise to its, to its future and what it's destined to be down the line. And for me, if I'm Kyle Lowry, the most fun resolution to his you know, off season deciding where he's going to go is, is to go to Philadelphia because coming back to Toronto is not going to be fun. His quality of life is going to suck. It's not going to be fun at all. Yeah. I, well, I wouldn't say it sucks. You know, I think there's other, right. I mean, he's a millionaire or other factors. His lifestyle is awesome. But in terms of, you know, when it comes to your day-to-day work, talking to the media, you know, how do you feel after win? How do you feel after loss? I think the most positive you're going to get put most positives you're going to get are going to be if you go to Philadelphia. And that's that's just my perspective on his situation um uh, because they're running into a wall if he keeps playing with Toronto and the same players around him. 
Okay, so to wrap up this series, Cleveland, you know, I think they've never now won 11 in a row, dating back to game five of the finals last year. LeBron, 34 and four against the East since coming back to Cleveland. That's in the postseason, of course. On course to go to his seventh straight finals. He's already qualified for his seventh straight Eastern Conference Finals. It's the 11th time, I believe, he's reached there in 14 years, which, again, is completely absurd. 140 points now behind Michael Jordan for the all-time postseason scoring lead. Should break that next series. Um, he needs to average like almost exactly 35. Well, yeah, exactly 35 points uh, over four games to tie. So and he's at like 34 points something. What was the milestone that he just broke a couple games ago? Past Kareem for second? Oh, probably. for second. Okay. Yeah, so he's 140 behind Jordan. If this next series goes five or six, should break it. If they qualify for the finals, you would, you know, it's almost a guarantee he's, he's, gonna gonna, he's going to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, you don't want to say it like that, but he's basically going to do it. <laughs> 47% from three through the first two rounds of the playoffs. He took a ton of threes. In, I think he took 12 threes in game four, which as someone who's watched a ton of LeBron over the last seven or eight years, it's very odd to see him shooting off of screens and, you know, shooting these threes when, you know, for so many years it was he would only shoot them if he was really feeling it, if it was late in the shot clock, if there was a two for one, or if he wanted to prove a point to somebody. And now he's <laughs> shooting them freely and, you know, seems to almost know ahead of time when he's going to shoot them. Whereas it seemed like he was always so reluctant to shoot the three in the past. He was a 30% three point shooter in the playoffs last year which, you know, it's, it seems like he hit so many big shots, and he did. But outside of those, he really was not good shooting the ball. If he's shooting the three at this rate and color me a little bit skeptical as, as far as whether he can keep this up, you know, 47% is better than Kyle Korver's shot during the regular season. That's just not going to happen. But if he can even be a, you know, 38 to 42% three-point shooter, that changes things dramatically, I think, for, for Cleveland. If you're the Warriors or any team for that matter, wouldn't you rather, like, Granted, those percentages are great, but we just know that's not, he's just not going to keep it up. He just hasn't. It's just not in his game necessarily. And you're Draymond Green guarding LeBron. Don't you just kind of shade a couple steps back and say, if, if the Cavs are going to beat us, it's going to be by LeBron James shooting three pointers. We're not going to let him drive and kick. And I know that he's, you know, shooting better than Kyle Korver and all that, but I think, you know, isn't the move to just, you know, just crowd the box, if you will, and just let LeBron James try to shoot threes because, you know, when it comes down to it, he just really hasn't been a clutch three-point shooter, and and that's just not his game, and nobody should really judge him too harshly for that. But if I'm the Warriors, I think that's the starting point for me. And you know, if if you're crowding the lane, I think that you know that, that just seems like the easiest answer to how to beat the Cavs. It's the same thing that the Cavaliers are going to do to the Warriors. You know, Draymond shooting the lights out from three. And I think no the way Cavs that are, happened. Right, and yeah. the Cavs are going to make him prove it. I mean, he didn't he go five for five in the first half of Game Seven? Yeah, he he had an amazing game. Like, and that they want to make him on, do that again, right. and you know, and obviously it, it wasn't enough for the, for the Warriors. So I think they'll live with Draymond Green shooting them out of a series. Yes. You know, they won't live with Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant doing that. Um, but but they'll live with Draymond Green, and I, I think it's going to be especially important for Cleveland to take care of business in this round. You know, obviously that's not a hot take by any means, uh, but to have maybe not a full week, but even to have four or five days to prepare for Golden State, you don't need four. You don't need eight days to prepare for the Celtics or prepare for the Wizards. You don't need eight days to prepare mm-hmm. for Toronto. Any time you can get to prepare your body and to prepare your game plan for Golden State, I think can help. 
and and don't think that that hasn't been in the back of their minds all season right. long, like, you know, just casually watching a game, jotting down in notes. Like, I'm sure they have full notebooks full of little things that they've been slowly but surely just accumulating over the season. Um, I think that overall, Iguodala and Draymond Green are going to be given a lot of, you know, mid-range three-point shots. And, and that's that's what it comes down to is... The Cavs are, I mean, the Warriors are going to get open shots. It's just picking which which guys they want to leave open. So I think and I hope that the Cavaliers are just going to stick like glue, you know, to the big three. And then the other two guys on the court, which is almost always going to be Draymond and probably Iggy, uh, just, you know, they might see a lot of shots in the finals. And, and we know that Iggy can get hot. We know that Draymond can get hot. But, you know, you're just going to have to live and die with that and hope that it's slanted towards they have four bad shooting games instead of only three bad shooting games. So we'll see. Let's talk Celtics Wizards. Are both of these Wait, teams... Wait, there's other teams in the playoffs? Allegedly. I haven't yet to see any evidence of this, but I'm, <laughs> I'm told you know, in my ear that the, the Celtics and the Wizards are actually playing... Are either of these teams good? Are they both but bad? I don't... Really, I, like, the Celtics have looked god-awful for seven of their last eight quarters. The Wizards have actually looked really good for the majority of their quarters, but have had some horrible stretches that resulted in them losing the first two games of the series... I was good to glad to see Brandon Jennings get kicked out of a playoff game, uh, game just, three. Just I was like kind of prior cool. experience with Brandon Jennings, or no? I just kind of thought that that would have happened by now. Sure. Maybe he hadn't played enough playoff games. Uh, he and Terry Rozier both escorted off the court. Kelly Oubre was kicked out of that game earlier. I'm sure you saw that. Um, and then the, the Wizards came out a little bit shorthanded in game four. You know, Morris is still a little banged up. No Oubre. And after, I think, were they down or up maybe three at halftime? They go on a 26-0 to zero run. And just like that, all of a sudden, this game or this series is 2-2. And it feels like the Warriors or the Wizards, excuse me, you know, same team basically, <laughs> uh, have the advantage even as we head back to Boston. Yeah, and I was saying this when Boston was up 2-0. I was like, I'm not really worried for the Wizards whatsoever. It's just a home-and-home series. The Wizards have seemed like if you're going to take – uh, all 16 quarters together, I would say that the Wizards would win the scorecard, right? You know, they, they would be, come out, be coming out on top. And, I mean, let's just be honest here. Like, let's talk about this series like we should. You know, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. But who has the better chance or opportunity to give the Cavs some, some fits? Now, maybe that's not what me and you are rooting for, but if, you know, people out there are rooting for the Cavs to lose or at least get tested... I think that Washington is playing so well and has a like a ceiling that we haven't even seen quite yet that they might be the answer to this question. But, I mean, if you look at the history of matchups and whatnot, it seems like Boston might be the one to get under the Cavs' skins a little bit more than the Wizards could. Yeah, I've said all along that I think Boston can throw a little bit more at them, defensively especially. For I sure. Think, I think there's three or four guys on this Boston roster that are like P.J. Tucker for the Raptors, where it's not like they're going to shut down LeBron or shut down Curry, but they're going to bother them, and it's just something that's going to make them uncomfortable. Whereas with Washington, if you stop John Wall, you're probably going to be fine. You know, the bench hasn't really been much. You're really not worried about their second unit with Brandon Jennings, you know, running the point. Boston goes eight or nine deep with with pretty good players, and all of them can defend. So I I think Cleveland wins. They've just been so good offensively. They would win that series and, and probably five against Boston would have a pretty good chance to sweep the Wizards. Um, well, here's a question, I guess. Like, Wizards, 
Celtics and Raptors are playing a hypothetical round robin where each team plays the other three times. Raptors like, win. Do you think the Raptors yeah, are the best so of those I think, three? Okay. I think, yeah, and I said it really I could quickly. have just asked you, which of those three is the best? <laughs> no, 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 no. We need, we need I, to go through this round robin. <laughs> what are the overtime rules in this hypothetical round robin? Unlimited subs? Same rules? Uh, no, I think I said this very quickly, but I, I think that Toronto is you know the tougher team to to face in a series even though they mentally lost against the Cavs before they even stepped foot on the court in game one I still think that Toronto is the best out of those three meaning that you know that whatever two teams are left have absolutely no chance Mm -hmm. to beat the Cavs so I think the Boston Boston is the team that could get underneath their skin the most and maybe ruffle some feathers and like you said a very defensive oriented team almost to their own fault because they haven't allowed themselves to you know bring in some offense and that's why Isaiah Thomas has thrived so much it's because the rest of the guys on the court like playing defense better than they like playing offense um, and you know that's that's been a huge part to why Isaiah Thomas has had so many opportunities and why he's been so good but that's just you know that's not going to help you much against the Cavs because the Cavs are going to end up scoring points and it, it's going to turn into a can you match their points like obviously Boston is well suited to shoot down the Cavs or shut down the Cavs for like two possessions when it really matters at the end of a game but guess what all the rest of the possessions you know Cavs are just going to outscore them of course that's the case with the Warriors too where you can say you could arguably say that Boston has the best you know defenders at each position to face the Warriors but they can't score worth a darn so it doesn't matter whatsoever so um Boston can cause some trouble more so than Washington can but it just doesn't matter it just doesn't yeah I feel the same way I think Washington would make for a little bit more of a fun series because I think they would. Yes. I think they would have trouble with with uh, with Wall and and Beal to a slightly lesser degree. Um, but you know, either way, I think no more than six games in the East Finals for for Cleveland. And that's you know that's like the worst case scenario for sure. It would be six games. They're going to shut them down because again, they've already proven to us that they're valuing rest. You know, they're valuing you know just moving their one foot in front of the other, getting on to when it's really going to count, and so. I'd be surprised if, you know, it went more than five. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost one on the road. I, th- I mean, I think they've they've been so, so good at home and have gotten off of these great starts. I think that continues either way. Who wins the series, the the series that's allegedly still going on, Celtics-Wizards? I guess Washington, because like I said, if, if you did it like a scorecard over the first four games, Washington has been the better team. They do not have home court advantage, but I don't know if that matters. Um, I, think, I think Beal and Wall are just... You know, they don't, the, Beal and Wall don't really have a lot of playoff experience. And they're the two type of players that, you know, once they have more and more playoff experience under their belt, they feel comfortable. Who knows? You know, they could be a formidable, uh, formidable duo. And I think they're gaining more and more experience where they're getting better and better, whereas Boston is, you know, just as good as they've ever been since game one of the regular season. Rocket Spurs. This one has been like a, a better quality version of Celtics Wizards where it seems to kind of go quarter by quarter or half by half with certain team, you know, one team playing really well, the other one just completely rolling over. It's 2-2. None of the four games have really been all that close. You know, it looked like San Antonio had, had taken that edge. Like they get rocked in game one, come back and win two and three. And, you know, then on Sunday night, Houston, you know, erupts and, and wins by 21 points again. So this one has been a good series as a whole, but individually, each game has really not been good at all. I still like Houston. I I, I feel like they haven't quite peaked as a team yet. I, I think they've had a couple of good games through these first, you know, what, nine games 
of the playoffs. Um, I thought collectively they didn't play that well against OKC. They're starting to put it together now. Harden looks a little bit healthier. But at the same time, I feel like they have another gear, whereas San Antonio at, at this point, you know, it's just kind of the Kawhi show, and they're they're hoping they can get something out of LaMarcus Aldridge, who's basically been good one game, bad the next. If if people thought that Aldridge and Gasol were getting exposed against the Rockets, just wait if they win this series and go play the Warriors. I mean, from a just like an average basketball NBA fan point of view, you should be wanting the Rockets to move on because, you know, you, you said this already with the Cavs, that the Cavs have proven that they could play with the Warriors in the season. Rockets have done the same thing as well. You know, they beat um, the Warriors in a double overtime game, and, and I swear both teams were trying as hard as they could. That was still back when the Warriors were figuring out how to play with Durant in the lineup and yada yada. Um, but just in terms of entertainment, in terms of the Warriors getting tested even just a little bit, we all should be rooting for the Rockets to win and maybe even win these next two games um, and just kind of move along and really give the Warriors the best shot possible. So, I, I mean, God bless the Spurs. God bless Popovich. We all love him. We all respect him and the team. It's just not their year, and it really hasn't been for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the holes in this roster that I think everyone knew were there. And, you know, the fact that Tony Parker is like a pretty significant loss for this team. right. Kind of says a lot about how it's constructed. You know the fact that you're relying that much on Tony Parker, even though he hasn't been all that good, uh, is obviously a problem for San Antonio. They're they're still getting nice contributions from, you know, Patty Mills and Jonathan Simmons was really good in Game Four and kind of kept that from being even more of a blowout. Uh, but you know, I don't think either of these teams will really push Golden State. But Houston is the team that at least makes for a more fun Western Conference Finals. Question for you. Over the last three years, the Spurs have not made it past the conference semifinals. Conference semifinals each of the last two years. Well, I'm just assuming the Rockets are going to win. I don't, that's probably not fair. Um, you know, We've gone three years with them You know, not making it to a conference finals unless they do that now. Why don't they take as much heat as the Clippers have necessarily? Because, I mean, Clippers Kawhi- beat them one of those years too, didn't they? Right, yeah, Clippers beat them in 2014, 2015 in the first round. You know, I mean, we, I, I think it's, I think I know the answer is because we just respect Popovich so much. But we're talking about a team that's been the two seed in the West, and you know, has been one of the best teams in the West for the last three years. But they haven't actually made it to the Western Conference Finals. You know, at what point? You know, how many years down the line will it take before we say that? this team is is not reaching their full potential in the playoffs. Are we just going to let it slide because they've been so good over the course of the last 20 years? I think we collectively are going to let it slide. One, because what do they do, you know, before this three-year dip when they're only making, you know, the second round? They won the title. So, like, that has some carryover. Um, and the other thing is the rise of the Warriors. Like, it's okay to lose. It's the same reason that it's okay for the Cavs not to win but this we year. But we haven't afforded that luxury to the Clippers? Yeah, true. Um, I, I think the Clippers thing has something to do with Chris Paul specifically and the fact that they have three all-stars and, you know, they don't have pop. I think there's certainly some truth to the the equity that pop has built and just the fact that the Spurs have been doing this for, you know, almost 20 years, you know, in terms of just reeling off 50-win season after 50-win season. You know, that, that just kind of continues to build in itself. And they also haven't had these collapses it's not like they've been they haven't necessarily been the better team and lost whereas the Clippers have had these kind of borderline hilarious exits from the playoffs whereas 
San Antonio has lost to you the know Thunder a, Clippers, the best version of that Clippers team, best version Thunder of the last Thunder, year. Yeah. The Thunder last year were probably should have been in the finals, right? You know, all things considered, the way that I mean they they got housed in Game One of the West Finals uh, or of the West Semifinals, I should say, this time last year, and then won that series in six and were up three one in the Western Conference Finals and didn't and didn't finish the job. So you know, it's not like they're losing to Memphis, you know, like the Clippers were are blowing these, you know, crazy series leads against a younger OKC team. And I think what it, but ultimately it comes down to that respect factor that they've built up. All right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll check this question back up next year and the year after yeah. that. And, and, you know, when do we actually get to say, everybody's hey. going to get a pass until the Warriors break up. I think. I mean, the Clippers aren't getting a pass, though. That's a, that's the thing. But nobody I'm, expects them to beat the Warriors, right? It's not like it wasn't championship or bust for the Clippers. It well, was second w- or third round. Why or bust. are so many people saying break it up? I just don't understand. It does, those two things can't coexist. You can't say that every team, and it's not just you. I'm just saying broader people talking in general around the NBA. You can't say that every team gets a pass and then just go. You got to blow it up if you're the Clippers. How stupid! You know, you just can't keep running it back. It's like. Well, these two things can't coexist out there. You know, well, they like, have never, they've never made it to the top. Like, the Spurs have within the last five years, you know? Sure. The Clippers haven't even been close. Right. I, I know what you're saying. I, 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 like, I understand it all, but it, it's, it, it goes back to my theory. Like, the Clippers are putting themselves in the best possible position to win. And obviously, they've had these collapses, but they're still a very good team, successful regular seasons. It just, yeah, it's, it's just so hard to get there. I don't know why. What the, same what the same exact situation is. the Raptors are in. Exactly. Yeah, they're the Western, Western Conference and version. And six of the other Raptors. teams, you know, which is unprecedented in a lot of ways. I've been thinking about the MVP stuff that we've talked at length about. We did a pod a couple weeks ago where we went through different ideas and tweaks to to change the MVP process and I thought of another one over the weekend um what if there were two votes for the MVP you would vote once at the end of the regular season those results would obviously be in they would be sealed and then you would vote the same crop of writers and analysts and whoever would vote again at the end of the playoffs and you would basically average those two votes the regular season would be worth 70 percent the postseason would be worth 30% because that's roughly how the games break down. If you assume 25 postseason games, 82 regular season games, it's almost exactly 30%. Basically, the NBA is already waiting until after the playoffs to announce this anyway. So it's not like you're pushing it back. If you're the best player in the regular season and you even have a solid postseason, you should be fine. You should still win it because it's only 30% of the vote. Um, the counterpoint to this for me is that there would be, I think, a little bit of a difficult time for some people not to just vote for the best player on the team that wins the finals um you know whereas like if you voted for james harden this season and they get housed in four games in the west finals by the warriors would you still give him your postseason mvp vote too um and obviously you would rank them so it's not like james harden would have zero votes in the postseason and then all the votes in the regular season i just think this would be a decent way to kind of marry those two ideas and, and get a, a more wholesome mvp this is the first time I'm hearing of this. Never before revealed. Never before revealed. Sometimes we talk before pods, sometimes we don't. I like that you're thinking out of the box. I th- Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and just you know push the button and shut it down, but I do want to talk about it some more. First of which, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is 
Well, if you do this for the MVP, you have to do it for the other awards and because you just have to. You just It has to be fair across all awards. And then uh, something like most improved player that can and has gone to players who don't make the playoffs would seemingly get knocked. Okay, so well, sure, and that would be part of it, you know. If but something like most improved player is is one where we don't actually put team success, and we shouldn't. MVP is one where we do. Now let's break down how MV- that like under your scenario, this how it would have went this year. So so Russell would have won the seventy percent regular season vote because it seems based on the returns that we're hearing, it mm-hmm. sounds like Russell Westbrook. Well, he won. doesn't. What it, he doesn't just get seventy percent right there. Like you would I just know. take. You would weight the percentages of that vote. Gotcha. Let's say the Cavs go on and they they win the finals, right? LeBron James is going to get voted MVP because it's been two months since the regular season. Everybody forgot. Everybody is ready to you right. know just be all over LeBron James. And I don't know if that's totally fair because LeBron James during the regular season, and I understand that that's only going to account for thirty percent, and then within that thirty, you know, he gets like seventy five percent or something I like think, that. I think if the Cavs go through, like given what LeBron's done so far, they go through, they beat the Warriors, he would get a hundred percent of the votes for the playoff MVP. I'm not a math guy at all. I couldn't be less of a math guy, but I don't. I still don't know if it would be enough. You know, because like, let's say he only receives ten percent of the vote during the regular season. Even with 100% of the vote in the postseason, since it's weighted at 30%, he might not win it. So then you would say, okay, he didn't deserve it. He that's, This is how, quote-unquote, bad he was in the regular season relative to the postseason. Like, it would, be, it would be a good way, I think, to balance both of those things. So I will say one thing. The cool thing about this system is that inherently you're factoring in, you're factoring in team success. Yes. Because... You, part of your judgment, 30% of the judgment comes in the playoffs. And so there you go, team success, not only in the regular season, it's just there. That would also open things up, though, for the regular season, for people to not put so much effort or emphasis on team success in the regular season because they know that that's going to come later. So a coach like Eric Spolstra probably would have been tossed a lot more votes in that first 70% because he really did do a very good job, perhaps the best job with the personnel that he had. So I think inherently this factors in team success. And we always say it's the most important thing, but it's not actually factored in. It's just hearsay, I guess. That's Mm -hmm. what people say. Um, So I like it from that perspective. I just, I think you have to do it for all the you have to do it for all the awards and it just doesn't work because I know everybody is, is most, you know, most concerned with MVP, but there's a lot of other awards. Like the true six man of the year might not come from a playoff team. Most improved rookie of the year is, you know, could come from Philadelphia was one of the worst teams in the league, but you know, the true rookie of the year, you know, could come from Philadelphia. So it's, it's well, hard you know, to say. You're not, you don't have to vote for, someone in the playoffs necessarily you can like, still if, vote for if Devin Booker is your most improved player you, you you don't have to just pick someone from a team that's in the finals but like you know think about how maybe it would have been different in 2014 you know Kawhi Leonard being so good in the playoffs being the finals MVP like he probably gets more most improved votes for that postseason portion and you don't I don't I was just thinking about this in the MVP context. I don't care if if this is adapted to the other awards. You can do it if you want. I don't think it would end up making that much of a difference for the other awards. Um I, I just think it's a it's a, a good way to incorporate this whole question of team success. You could still vote for Russell Westbrook. If you voted for Russ during the regular season and you think his teammates were so bad and he was so good in round one that he still deserves it, you you could still vote for him. And I th- I think what it would ultimately do is just standardize 
um, you know, in, in some ways, you know, a, a, a standout player like Stephen Curry last year, you know, unanimous MVP during the regular season. I don't think there's anything, again, I'm not a math guy, but I don't think there's anything like, even if LeBron got a hundred percent of the votes in the regular, in the postseason last year, it wouldn't have been enough, you know? So like, even if you have this insane regular season, it would, it would basically guarantee that you couldn't lose the MVP because you have a bad postseason. So I understand what you're saying, and, and I agree with you. You're right. Not a math guy, but this it makes if sense. If it's a close vote in the regular season, the playoffs would ultimately end up deciding it, and that's what should happen, right? Here, yes, but here's, here's what it sounds like to me. And no offense here, but you thought Harden should win the MVP. It sounds like Russell's going to win the MVP. Uh, and it's m- maybe just like a tad, not that this is a bad idea, but like you and other people are trying to come up with a new system that justifies who you picked for MVP. And in this case, this is a clear-cut case where this would have been righted, where like Harden would definitely win the MVP because it would have been so close on that 70% vote. 30% vote would be far more slanted towards James Harden because they literally played a series yeah. against each other. I mean, so for this year, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't care who wins it. I, th- okay. I think that's what we want, though, isn't it? Like, nobody could agree on who it was anyway, and wouldn't this be the way to... Like, we have a very clear, distinct tiebreaker period. It's called the right. playoffs. We should use it. I understand and, what you're and saying. Just, and and necess- team success wouldn't necessarily, you know, if, if it's a theoretical tie in the regular season like it is with Harden and Westbrook, you know... If Harden's team makes it further, but he doesn't play all that well, that doesn't necessarily mean he's getting votes there. Like those votes could be redistributed to Kawhi. They could be right now redistributed to Wall, to LeBron. You know. Last follow. I yeah, I, I get it. You're making all really good points, and I do think that out of all the you know like weird scenarios and hypothetical new systems you could put in place, this is perhaps the best one. However, thank you. In order to just overhaul the current system and change something, you have to prove that there's been systematic. Uh, mistakes made, right? So you would have to toss out this season and, and prove to me that this has like been a recurring theme where the wrong person has been voted MVP. I think the easy answer here is probably Kobe Bryant should have won a couple. Maybe Jordan should have won a couple more because of voter t- fatigue, right? And this is a case where Jordan probably right. would have won a couple more because you know it'd be like, hey, remember me? I'm Michael Jordan. I win championships. The years That's when all I the do. years when Malone and Barkley won it over Jordan, and then Jordan won the title. You know, or the years when you know Derrick Rose won it over LeBron, or right. So what know, I'm Steve asking Nash you then is, over Kobe. do you feel like there's been this systemat- systematic mistakes no, that have been made? I really don't. I don't. Well, then I we're just, just coming just, up with no, systems just for this one yeah, exactly. year. Yeah. Well, for any, I mean, I think it would just. I just think going forward, I, it, it would just be an interesting way to do it. I don't. I don't think there like needs to be changed by any means. Like I don't. I don't really care. I think it's fun to debate. I just think it would be. It'd be interesting to loop in the playoffs in this debate. I agree. But this is a one-off. So this, you know what, this discussion and this, you know, debate we're having is very, very similar to the, should we get rid of conferences when it comes to playoff seating? And and my answer to, yeah, it's totally similar because it, it comes in cycles, you know, one, you know, for a five-year span, the Western conference is going to be drastically better than the East. Then it'll be average for five years. And then it'll go the other way for another five years. And people, you just have to realize that, you know, like there's going to be these weird one-off years and there's for MVP vote, there's going to be this weird one-off year where it's going to seem so close and we need a tie-breaking system in place. In reality, it's like, this is one year in the span of 60, 75 years you know, we'll just suck it up, deal with it, move on. Most of the time, things are going to be more cut and dry in the future. I think we're getting yeah, caught up too much. I don't think it's totally necessary. I just think 
why not? You know, like what are the downsides? <laughs> like what what are we losing? Lots by of paperwork it? here. What are we losing by putting this in? Like what, I don't think any player would get robbed of an MVP. Do you think a, a player would get robbed of the other ones though? Because I do think that you could have something where like rookie of the year would get robbed because we just forgot about the player. We've been watching this other rookie who was probably going to finish second but we watched him for two months on a championship contending team, like maybe coming off the bench or something like that, where the clear best rookie of the year got robbed just by the fact that, you know, we have short-term memory and we've, this guy's been put in our face for the last two months, but you know, I mean, would that have changed anything this year? No, I know, or but like I'm just any saying other year, general. like what other year has like a rookie erupted in the, in the postseason, you know? And if they do, don't they, maybe, maybe they do deserve it. My point is that since it's weighted so heavily in favor of the regular season, it really wouldn't change things unless there was a guy who went off in the playoffs and probably deserved the award or things were so close in the regular season that you would want to extend it into the playoffs to give you a better, clearer do you, do you reveal the Do you reveal the regular season 70% vote before the playoffs start? To give them added motivation sure. to like if you want up. if you want to like make a little half hour special on ESPN two absolutely <laughs> that'd be great wouldn't it maybe you vote after every round <laughs> after every game polls <laughs> no. have been updated yeah and they just go to the mm. the court interview after the game it's like with that performance you pulled within one extra percent right that's what I'm saying like that'd be fun yeah um, <laughs> pop you dropped five percent after that ooh. terrible performance in coach of the year standings how does that make you feel if we thought we've seen Popovich scout yeah, before Mike, the mic is swatted out of his yeah. hand <laughs> okay so the draft combine is later this week James and I will be there Thursday and Friday in Chicago I know you're not a big draft guy no um, very happy that you guys are going yeah I wish you the best of luck and uh hope you can get back some good info yeah right from what I'm hearing I'm a second round pick late second rounder right now oh you are yeah oh yeah oh did you think I was covering it no I'm I'm participating nobody wants to play in the combine scrimmage I think (laughs) they're gonna they're just gonna like take hand votes yeah that's what they did last year right um no there's (laughs) hey you you've got sneakers on Fultz is going to be there this year. That'll be kind of cool. Darren Fox will be there. Oh, that's going to be a good game. So there's well, they're not they're not playing five and five. They'll just <laughs> no, be they'll just be there to get measured. Do they actually have to invite more people than they normally yes. would to yeah to play in, to fill out that game? Well, that and just to fill out the whole thing overall. Like Nigel Hayes from Wisconsin, for example, was not invited. He was an alternate, but they knew you know I think nine players have dropped out, which are basically the top nine guys minus Fultz and Fox are all not going. Mm-hmm. So then those nine spots get redistributed. What are you, last year you asked, you know, some very, you and James got to ask some very interesting questions and, you know, like maybe you had side bets or things you've always been wanting to know because you've been following these players for the most part. It's going to be the first time you're going to actually interview them. What's that one question you can't wait to ask that one guy? And maybe That's you know a James question already. on your part. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, James James is a little more reserved in the interviews uh, than I was. Um, but no, I'm, I'm hoping I can get a story on. There's a handful of players who were invited last year and either attended or didn't attend and ended up coming back to school. So I think there's seven or eight guys in this combine. Six of them, I think, were there last year. So I'm hoping I can talk to most of them and just kind of craft a piece around was it worth it? You know, looking back, do you wish nice. you would have came out? So, you know, like Caleb Swanigan. Well, Mello Swanigan Trimble. would have been yes, because he improved his draft. Again, I'm not well, a draft guy. I don't know. But... That, that's what I want to find out. Like It okay. seems like he might have, but Mox have him in basically the same spot. Trimble came back twice. Um, you know, Nigel Hayes is back. Justin Jackson was like a fringe first-rounder last right. year. He comes back, wins the national title, first-team All-American, 
now he's going to be a lottery pick. Like that's, that's who I really want to talk to, I guess is like, okay. Cause he, last year he was somewhat of a no name. Like I got a one-on-one with him for a while because you know, like the way they set this up is there's just maybe 15 tables with a guy at each table. And you know, some of the bigger names, like De'Aaron Fox, like I won't be able to talk to him. You know, the local right. guys, the, the TV guys will swarm him. But you're fine like, with whatever. that. You'd yeah, rather whatever. go spend some one-on-one time with a guy and may- maybe right. not make him look so bad sitting alone. Well, at no, table. well, it's not even that. It's just like, <laughs> Oh, I can just ask you 10 questions in a row. Great. Like last year, like Kyle Wilcher was that guy, which was cool. Who? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, it was. It's just interesting because you know, last year, not that he knew, not that he knew who I was, but I could walk right up and and have a conversation with Justin Jackson. And I'm guessing that this year, there's no nope. way that's going to be the no. case because he's a top five guy there. So that that's going to be really interesting. Uh, and I'm and I'm hoping to talk to to those guys about that story. But um, another event involving the NBA draft, the draft lottery. We are one week away. That is going to be next Tuesday evening. I just want to ask you, like, what's the most fun scenario as this whole thing shakes down? Um, for me, I, I think it has to involve the Lakers in some way, whether you want them to keep their pick or you want them to lose their pick. It would not be fun for them to just stay at three, which is where they're projected right now, if, if things would go in order as they did last year. Um, them moving up to one would obviously be really interesting because they've made it known that they're pretty interested in Lonzo Ball and that interest is very mutual. Would they have the nerve to take him over Markel Fultz? Um, and then obviously the Lakers losing their pick would be not only incredible for the Sixers, who would have a really good chance to have two picks in the top five, it would be catastrophic for the Lakers on two levels. One, you lose your pick in the best draft in 15 years, and you also lose your 2019 pick unprotected to Orlando as part of that yeah, White re- Howard swindle i'm rooting for that <laughs> i think I'm rooting i am for the sixers to come away with two top five picks and the lakers to have none i'm also rooting for you know there's some really cool like uh lottery simulators and i and i just admittedly spent 30 minutes just hitting run sim again run sim again run sim again and you know the very first time i did that earlier today actually uh the knicks came up in the one spot and then i hit it again and they were the seventh spot so i would love for the lakers to lose you know, their draft pick all together, go to the Sixers and also the Knicks to fall down to, to seven. Oh, I guess they're, they're slotted in at seven right now. So just kind of like staying there, or maybe even dropping another one. Can you tell I have a little bit of bias towards big market teams? I mean, I just, I but think do you it, want the Lakers are you like against big market. I'm teams? against, I, I'm against, you know, the Lakers and Knicks have had their time in the sun. You know, I, I'd rather just see some other <laughs> I think organizations. the Knicks would debate you on that one. <laughs> yeah, they would. Like 45 years would. ago. I, so here's the funny thing is that, like, some people will say that the league is better when the Knicks and Lakers are good, right? I disagree a little bit because all the media coming out of New York about, you know, all the trials and tribulations has actually been very entertaining for me to follow. Uh, obviously as a non-Knicks fan, but I would argue that the NBA is more fun when the Knicks are either really good or really bad. They've been really bad for a while. Like I want them to be good. But this is Don't like you some feel all-time bad for... lows. Like they're they're you know pride prospect not going to the exit interviews in Porzingis. Like this is as bad as it gets. And it would be fun if like it's like how bad could this situation get? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I guess yeah. I mean, the you, thing... want, you aren't rooting for that just I'm, a little. No, bit? I want the Knicks to be good. Oh, the Knicks get have, out of the here. The Knicks have had try not to ruffle any. Feathers. The Knicks have had one. What feathers would I be ruffling? The Knicks have had one good season since I've been a coherent basketball fan. Okay, you know, like I miss I miss waking up on Sunday mornings and watching Alonzo Morning. 
So are you just shove Patrick Ewing around? So are you just rooting for your like Minnesotas and Phoenixes to just drop because that's just kind of where they have ranked in the totem pole of yeah, NBA? I mean, I'm rooting for the chaos. Like last year, like I said, the lottery went in order, and that was really boring. That was boring. So I don't care. I mean, I don't care. I don't. I really don't have like strong preferences. I don't root against or for certain teams unless the Bucks can jump up from 17, which hasn't happened before. Um, <laughs> they literally unprecedented. But if that could happen, that would be Wait. great. Wait, that's not even possible. Yeah, I know. I know. All right, I'm a little bit slow. I'm just like looking over no, everything. It's not yeah, possible. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Other fun scenarios. <laughs> like I said, Lakers, well, that would be fun as hell if the cr- Bucks jumped up. Yeah, like what yeah. if what if they just did and then people were like, "Well, that you can't do that," and they're like, "Well, it happened." So yeah. what are you gonna do about it? We well, like, snuck a ping pong right. ball in there. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. Like the league, Adam Silver has authority, I think, to just kind of bring the hammer down if he wants. So fingers crossed on that one. Lakers at one is interesting just because of the ball stuff. Um, the slight possibility of good team jumping up into top three is always interesting. Like not that new Orleans and Minnesota are good, but you know, the thought of new Orleans all of a sudden adding Fultz or ball to cousins and Davis, like dramatically changes everything for them. Minnesota is currently slotted in, uh, at the sixth spot could very easily jump up, you know, one, two, three, all of a sudden you add one of those big time guys, uh, and not, not that they're not going to get a good player at six, but they could get a really, really good player to add to an already really, really good core becomes interesting. Like the magic adding it, adding folds, like that would just be sad, you know? Like I don't want to, I don't want to do that to him, and like that franchise I, uh, isn't going anywhere. Like let's... it's, it's more so for me is just like I want certain, like I don't follow the draft, but I still know the top names. Like I want certain co- college players to go to certain places. I think it would be a hoot. Just a hoot if Lonzo Ball went to Boston and and Boston media just 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 ripped into that whole situation. That would be super interesting to me. I believe you just dropped two H words back to back like that. Wow, did I really? I don't think anyone's ever said hoot on the podcast. <laughs> I, have to, I have to bleep that out. Uh, so I just ran my my most favorite sim that I've ever come across: uh, the Denver Nuggets with a point six per chance of getting point six percent chance of getting number one pick have done it in this simulation. Huh. Uh, Sixers get to four and five, and then the Knicks drop to eight. I really enjoy this this simulation I just came across. Sure, that would that would fulfill the pretty good team gets top three pick. I mean, what I mean, what what would you want to happen? Like, what player goes to what team? Ideally, for you, what's that one that you want? For me, it's probably Lonzo Ball to Boston for entertainment reasons, and on top of that, well, I don't know. It's just entertainment reasons for me, I guess. Nothing sure. wrong with I th- that. I think I want Lazo to the Lakers would be really interesting. No, get him out of That'd LA. He needs he's been he's he really hasn't truly left the nest yet. He needs to get away from his dad. I think it, it could kind of double down on that though. It's like, <laughs> all right, he's a you know, a kid from Chino. He went to UCLA, his whole brand is West Coast. The Lakers love him, he loves the Lakers, he's getting compared to magic. You know, I think I think that's to me that's more fun than him playing in <clears throat> excuse me, playing in Phoenix. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. I would him say him going to the Knicks would be maybe the most fun, like oh, the Knicks jumping up to two, yeah, and getting Lonzo Ball. There we go. Now we're talking. Right, I like it. I just think Orlando should, for like the betterment of everyone involved, should just trade out voluntarily, or <laughs> just, sort of not just be forfeit involved. their pick. Yeah, like <laughs> just kind of get rid of that pick. And hey, who knows? They may trade that pick for several hybrids. Right. Well, they already have Jeff Green. That's right. the problem. Like, he would be the guy. X? X? Question mark? Yeah. It's like, I'm sure they're looking at, like, man, could we get DJ Augustine with this pick? Like, <laughs> I think I think we could. You know, like, Reggie Jackson might be available. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, who knows what to expect there? Like Phoenix and Orlando are the two where you're just going to see like a quote unquote typical rookie situation uh, of like, you know, no good thanks. player goes there, probably has an inefficient year, but gets to play a lot of minutes. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, the other teams, there's, there's compelling stuff. You know, like if Philly ends up with two of these really good high end players in the top five, all of a sudden that core is crazy, crazy fun to watch. Boston obviously is, you know, the storyline we, we, we know about. Are we as a company retracting any hype that we put into Chris Dunn? Or are we still just kind of full speed ahead uh, on I, it? I don't, I don't know anything about that. But would it be far more interesting if Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith was playing for Minnesota than Chris Well, that's Dunn? the thing. There, there's a lot of teams that the talent in this draft is so good that they'll have tough calls to make. Like if Phoenix right. has Eric Bledsoe, who's just coming off of a really good season, if they get one, do you take Fultz? Like you, or do you say, like, well, we already got point guards? You know, I, I think Ugh. you have to take Fultz, right? You take like, Fultz. But here's the problem with that is that the trade value for Bledsoe comes down because everybody knows that you want to get rid of him or yeah. you have no use for him. So maybe you right. do that before so, the draft. Well, yeah, that's the nice thing about the lottery not occurring immediately before right. the draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God they scrapped that plan. Um, yeah, well, Boston, you know, is in the same spot too. If they get a top two pick, you would think... You, but here's the thing, though, about that. I know we're just joking, but... If they do get the one pick, everybody knows that they pretty much have to go with a point guard, whether it's Fultz, whether it's Ball. Like well, that's, that's the thing. It's like, does the presence of Isaiah Thomas make you think twice about Jackson? I don't know. Like that, that there's that kind of mm-hmm. wrench there. Like you mentioned, Minnesota. If if Dennis Smith is sitting there at seven or eight, do you say you like, give well, it we a got go? Christ, I know. No, like, you give it a go. But you at least have to think about it. Right. So that's how talented this draft is. That it makes you kind of disregard what you've done even a year ago. That's 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 super interesting. Same with LA too. It's like D'Angelo Russell is not bad. Yeah, He's but pretty you, good. You and, give it a go with right, and you're Ball, just like whatever. With Fultz, yeah. maybe even with Smith. Yeah, sure, exactly. A lot I, of talent. It's gonna be. I'm fun. excited. So when is this again? The lottery is a week from today. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Do we have a full official list of who's going to be representing each team? We do not. I, if I remember correctly, um, those things kind of trickle out within you know the week like, leading up. Like, sure. I don't think there's like a date where you have to have them out. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at articles from last year, and then like most of them that 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 break down all the lottery representatives aren't until like the day of or before. Sure. So, yeah, we might not find out. We'll see. I mean, is there anybody in particular that you really want to be there? I mean, Isaiah Thomas with his front tooth missing would have been cool, but he already had surgery, so that's not going to yeah, happen. What a wuss. On top of that, he's... Not a hockey player. Yeah, not a hockey player. He, fractured... he, also, he also might be playing. He also might be playing, so that's a no-go. Uh, David Griffith's kid's probably grown yeah. up, and he's probably in puberty right now, so... It, I think they should... Well, it was Dan Gilbert's kid, Dan right? Gilbert's, For the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleveland also not going to be in the lottery. What oh, if... man, I'm all over the place. We need to end this podcast. We've they... been going too long. I need water. I think the most fun scenario is you you find the biggest draft bust that that franchise has ever had, and you make yes. him you make him go there as like you you did this to yourself, <laughs> like Boston. I don't know, like you, know, who's their biggest draft bust? <laughs> I would say Len Bias, but like that wouldn't that wouldn't work. Um, they should make Ray, Boston should make Ray Allen go there. Yeah, sure, that would be <laughs> yeah. But then don't tell them that like Rondo's also going to be there, and then they both have to share yeah. the little podium. There's, like, si- there's six seats there, right. and it's a confer- weird. Yeah, Phoenix, you could just make Dragon Bender do it. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> you haven't done anything else. Uh, uh, yeah, the Lakers. Lakers can we get too, some value like, added out of you, please? Yeah, the Lakers could do make Mozgov do it and like make him pay for his own travel there. <laughs> Sixers, yeah, Okafor, <laughs> maybe Dalbert. <down there. laughs> 
Oh man, yeah, we could go. I mean, we could go on and on about this. Like, I would love to see Ronaldo Balkman there for the for the Knicks. Just make the fans pick. Like, who do you hate the least out of all these guys? Right. Yeah, that'd be fun if it's just a ragtag team. It's just as good as having like, you know, the owner's little cousin do it, or like yeah. brother-in-law or something like that, that. I think that's like a play to just deflect accountability. Where it's like you can't be mad at this kid who has like a rare disease. You know, it's like. We, <laughs> Otherwise, like if you send if you send like the owner and he there's nothing, and you're supposed to get the first pick and you get the fourth pick, it's like God, this guy's just the worst. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like when the kid is up there and the their pick drops drastically and the kid just like puts his head yeah, on like, that little desk. Yeah, it's have. like you can't be mad at the kid, but you can be mad at the owner. I That's think, why he doesn't go. I think Jeff Foxworthy should host this because it, it seems like <laughs> okay. Yeah, it I was like, thinking the same thing. Did you think? Are, are you smarter than a fifth grader? It looks like they're all sitting at little desks. You know, maybe ask a couple of fifth grade questions, just kind of, you know, play into the school aspect of like these seven foot dudes sitting at little school desks. Yeah. I, fun. I'm not saying Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> wouldn't do a good job. Uh, I don't know that he's on the list. He of might be potential... too expensive for something like Who this. does host it? Wasn't it always that? Exactly. Exactly. No, it's the, it's like this, the, it was always Adam Silver. It's like the deputy he commissioner it? when he wasn't the commissioner. It's like the second in charge well, guy. Isn't does there it. an MC? No, isn't there like an MC though? Too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. For, for the television coverage, yeah. right? Oh, you're talking that? No, like now kicking it over to Adam oh, Silver yeah, and yeah, Adam's yeah. like, thanks, Jeff Foxworthy. Really appreciate you taking yeah, it over. Yeah, oh, kicking it over. Yeah, <laughs> to Adam Silver's like a slide whistle, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could get on board with that. You might have to air it on CMT. Yeah. You could do a simulcast on True TV. Logical answer is that Drake would just host right. this Drake, yeah, Drake just might start working for the NBA yeah. and just like kind of, he's like a sideline reporter. He's going to go from Toronto Raptors ambassador to just NBA ambassador yeah. because really he's doing a better job than really right. any of the Pitbull would be interesting, kind of get him you back in Pitbull, the mix. You and man. Me and Pitbull, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he and I. I bet he's got some hot tub stories you guys could talk about. Man, well, so I'll give a full review of the hot tub. Okay. Um, follow obviously- follow at Waylon, but replace the L with the uh, number one for all the Chicago hotel jacuzzi slash, hot tub slash continental breakfast slash continental breakfast play by play. You might spurn a new career out of this. Yeah, hot tub correspondent. Yeah, well, I mean, travel travel reporter. But travel. Yeah. yeah, I mean that could be something. Um, I, I've looked. I sorted when I was booking the hotel um, because I'm a blue collar guy and I book my own hotels. I sorted by hot tub, and this was the first one that came up. I booked it. It's <laughs> not a real. Yeah, on Priceline, you can just like check the options you want. I was like hot tub and then that very very much narrowed them down there's just like at the Priceline headquarters wherever they are like all these alerts and horns went he's off back. Like, he's back no somebody check the hot tub box right. for the first time I did a very thorough investigation on TripAdvisor Google Images just to make sure and uh, it doesn't look like it's a very big hot tub um, but it's on the 27th floor and it looks like it'll have a nice view some guy who came up with it is like I told you it was a good idea right yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's wrap it up. Uh, quick prediction: Rockets, Spurs tonight, Game Five. Uh, Rockets. I think the Rockets will win the next two. I mean, the Spurs. If Joe Johnson is getting you know fatigued and whatnot, then you would have to think that half the Spurs rosters yeah. is also in that same boat after a very aggressive physical matchup with Memphis in Round One. I'll go San Antonio tonight. I think Houston's going to have a little bit of trouble without Nene, although it didn't matter much in Game Four. I think if this is a game that San Antonio can take advantage of their size, then you th- know it's going to happen. If not, the series is going to be over in six. Well, statistically, I think it's seventy-five to eighty-five percent of the teams that win 
game five go on to win the series. So you're effectively saying that the Spurs, you know, the Spurs win the series. Yeah, if, if the Spurs win tonight, I think they will win the series. They got home court. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs>